frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I think he. I think he is. I think. Wait, sorry, that's not right either. I really think he is contributing to cinema. Weller. Weller. All right, welcome back. Here we go, five to one. Um, we're now here with a bedless, furnitureless, <laughs> <laughs> movieless yeah. Lewis. I'm living in a shell of a house <laughs> for the next few days, and then no Soon house. Soon to be homeless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very scary. <laughs> uh, um. Well, yeah. So, as you said, time for five through one. Yes. Um, our picks. Yeah, you know, I mean, just to catch you up from last week, our picks were for me. Number ten was Multiple Maniacs. Number nine, El Mariachi. Number eight, Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, number seven, Heavenly Creatures, and number six, Clerks. Yeah, mine was ten, Psycho. Nine was a, a double bill of The Kid and City Lights because I couldn't choose. Eight was Alien. Seven was High Fidelity. Um, and six was Nosferatu. And my number five is... A film we've done on Film Church. Oh. Yeah. Um, hmm. It is... Do you want to guess or shall I? Give me another clue. Um, it's Silent. Um, Sherlock Jr. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many silent films have we yeah. done? We've only done like two. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Because it's half your show. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll have to pick more. We'll have to pick yeah. more. Um, but yeah, five is Sherlock Jr. Um, Buster Keaton is incredible. One of my favorite people ever. Um, and this film is like somebody that loves cinema just taking you through a ride into like what makes it so great. You know, yeah. some of the most memorable set pieces come from him playing around with, you know, him walking into a movie screen and then like the cuts are him, you know, are him changing locations and kind of falling into scrapes and stuff. And yeah, um, there's the whole like bicycle race at, towards the end, which is just phenomenal. And uh, it's just, it's such a fun watch. Yeah. And like there's just gag after gag after gag. Um I just I think that it's it's probably I know that a lot of people like like The Navigator and other films that he made. Um but for me this is just someone that loves cinema showing you why he loves cinema and yeah. making jokes of it. Um and it's a great history lesson as well. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm talking about it very well, but I lo- it's great. I mean, it's a must watch. Like, yeah. if you like movies, watch Sherlock Jr. Yeah. You know, if oh. you think silent movies are boring, watch Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Like, we literally did a whole show on it. 
So you can go and listen to us talk about it for an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, Buster Keaton, I know that he's a favorite of so many of my heroes as well. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just yeah. Who are your heroes? I know that you know um, Bogdanovich really likes Buster Keaton. Um, Orson Welles really likes Buster Keaton. You know these giants of film love yeah. Buster Keaton. Um, Johnny Depp, weirdly enough, really likes. Not that he's a giant in my, like you know, he's not my favorite person, but he really likes Buster Keaton as well. Yeah, like he pops up kind of, you know, when you learn about people. I feel like a lot. Yeah. So, um, Tom Cruise. Oh, I mean, you just got to look what he's doing now, and it's just yeah, it's what Buster Keaton was doing in the twenties. Is there anyone else besides Tom Cruise in modern? Like today, that is, that is. Um, I mean, obviously, there's probably yeah. lots of people that are influenced by Buster Keaton, but yeah. is there anybody that is like trying to be Buster Keaton other than Tom Cruise? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you know, with the way that cinema is now, it's kind of instead of letting somebody do a stunt, um, they just want it to look cool. I feel like so they just they spend a lot of money to make it look the best it can. Whereas I think with what the Mission Impossible films realized, same with what Buster Keaton was doing. I mean, out of necessity as well for Buster, but um, especially the Mission Impossible is like, it adds an extra layer to see somebody do it. You know, yeah. when Tom Cruise is hanging onto that plane and you know it's him, it's better than any stunt in any Fast and the Furious film. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody can do it. I mean... Like, <laughs> but he he's yeah. built a career. Yeah, he's over decades. Yeah, you know, and he's he's got he's a producer as well as a yeah, and he's just actor fearless. and yeah, do anything. But but he, yeah, he can surround himself and pay enough money to hire professionals. Whereas, yeah. like, it would be really hard for someone just to out of the blue b- try to be Buster Keaton. I know. Now, unless they were just a professional stunt person slash entertainer that yeah. was wanted to be wanted to make their own movies. Yeah, and I think they are making a Buster Keaton biopic with Rami Malek. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, the important part of that is like, is Rami Malek going to do his own? Yeah, is yeah. he going to you know try and embody Buster best he can, or is it going to be more of a kind of Poe faced? You know. Yeah, <laughs> I love the scene in Arrested Development when Buster, the <laughs> younger brother, is like standing in front of the house that you know the shell falls over <laughs> and that they do the stunt. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty great. I, the I show Chelsea a lot of like Arrested Development clips um, with the main egg. That's my favorite. With the what? The main egg. The main egg. Yeah. I might not have gotten that far yet. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where it comes up, um, but George Michael gets a girlfriend and she mixes hard-boiled eggs and mayonnaise in her mouth and she calls it a main egg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I haven't finished all of Arrested Development yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah, it's good. Um, what's your number five? My number five is Bernie. Wow. Okay, I did think Bernie was going to be higher. Yeah. 
Same, honestly. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it, it's hard to do your li- like your li- the list. I know because it's know? just fine margins. It's like what would separate, yeah, number five from number one. It's yeah. like tiny details. Um, but yeah, we did a whole episode on Bernie as well. It's like it's like we <laughs> it's like we had criteria for each pick because <laughs> yeah. they seem to be following a very kind of you know the similar thought pattern, process. Even though they're not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we think alike. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if you want to go listen to that, you can. But, you know, just to give listeners a quick rundown, Bernie is a Richard Linklater film um, from 2011, I believe, 2012-ish, starring Jack Black um, about a real-life murder that happens in Carthage, Texas, which is very close to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, And watching the film for the first time, it was the first time that I had realized that my area of the world that I had grown up and known my whole life had a culture, you know? Yeah. Whether, you know, whether you uh, think that culture is cringy or disturbing or great, or you love it, whatever you think of it, it is what it is. And, Bernie represents that culture, I yeah. think, perfectly. Um, and so I, I'd saw that I'd seen the film. I, I guess probably in 2012. I was like, so I was like 22, um, and had also recently gotten like returned from a long trip as well. It was like the first time that I. I mean, I I've been I had been to lots of places before as a kid like in the boy scouts like we went to we traveled a lot went different places yeah traveled to other states and stuff but i had just gone i had just gotten back from working at a boy scout camp in hawaii for three months um which hawaii is technically still you know part of the united states but it is across the ocean yeah um and there is a a a lot of uh like native culture there and um and the just the and hawaii just looks very different as far as like the vegetation and the plant life and everything it's it's tropical you know it, mm. it looks different you know um and then and then so being there for that long and then coming home you know, it's a combination of like coming home and realizing like, oh, like kind of where I grew up is also very beautiful. East Texas has has yeah. its own beauty to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then watching this movie and realizing it also has its own culture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just seeing the representation and just being so glad that, OK, like somebody got it, like somebody yeah. captured it. You know, the time yeah. and place of my childhood, it's there on cinema. Somebody got it. And it was just kind of like a whew moment. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Like, yeah. someone gets it. Yeah. Uh, Richard Linklater, obviously, from Texas. Um, and Matthew McConaughey's in the movie as well. Um, and Jack Black is an incredible actor. Very underrated performance. Um, probably his best performance yeah. in anything. Um 
completely embodies this character. And uh, yeah, there's things in the movie that just really, uh, yeah, just spoke to me yeah. and also just captured who these people are. Um, good and bad, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Um, and speaking of like you know my number ten film and sacrilege, like one of my favorite parts of Bernie is when there's the scene of like the old the the ladies having like their Bible meeting, yeah, and they're like arguing arguing over whether or not um the wine that the water that Jesus turned into wine, whether or not it was like fermented wine. <laughs> and just that short they he did it so brilliantly in just like a short little conversation where they're like talking about that kind of having an, a discussion but it's more of like an argument and um one of the ladies is just like you know he was Jesus he could turn fermented or not the point is he could turn it into wine right on the spot you know <laughs> and I cannot tell you how many grueling, long, uh, quote-unquote, yeah. Bible studies yeah. I had to sit through of people just, like, arguing over the dumbest things that don't matter. Yeah. Um, things like whether or not there should be a collection plate given out during you know, church service, or there's yeah. there should be a box in the back of the church for people to just to drop their tithe in. Oh, yeah. And I, I, a lot of my childhood was watching um, people who were supposed to be friends, like basically writing each other off over little things like that. Like yeah. literally, if someone thought that there should be a a box in the back of the church instead of a collection plate, they would just go start their own church and then they would be mortal enemies. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there's like all these like tiny little churches that have like five people that go to them. Yeah. All over East Texas. Well, all over America, but um, seems that common. is a yeah. huge part of the culture is um, judgment, harsh judgment towards other people. And I feel like Bernie yeah got it so well you know not quite to the extent that to the harshness and crude you know yeah horrible side of it that i've seen but like he did capture a lot of it but also just you know the characters and kinds of people because there's good people too you know it's not all that but like bernie is not a fantasy i mean it's based on a true story yeah you know and it's kind of crazy to you know to just know that those are real people yeah and they exist in them <laughs> yeah. yeah and i like that they use um actors and like non-actors to blend that reality for you so you're never really sure exactly if it's like a real person or not um, yeah yeah it's a, it was a stroke of genius yeah. Well, even the actors that he got, they're all like Texas-based yeah. actors, you know. So it's yeah. like they, it wasn't far removed from their no. actual personality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the the guy that's like, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, such a great movie. Yeah, it really is. All right, number fours. Yes, my number four to me is the epitome of what makes cinema the greatest art form in the world. Um, it's Jurassic Park from 1993. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steven Spielberg brought dinosaurs to life, and it is one of the most entertaining films of all time. It's yeah. got everything. It's got the it's you know the suspense. It's got a good story. It's got really great CGI and animatronics. Um, the uh, incredible soundtrack. The production design is impeccable. Like it. it it's one Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson smoking cigarettes. Um, it it it's it's got to be one of the pinnacles of cinema. Yeah. It, you know, I think it pretty much sums up filmmaking from the late seventies through to today. Yeah. It, you know, it's to me, it's the greatest film made in the last fifty years. Hmm. Um. And it's something that, again, you know, I've grown up with. So I've watched I don't know how many times. So yeah. it does hold a very special place in my heart for, like, nostalgia reasons. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... I mean, how can you not like this film? Yeah. I don't I don't understand if you... Like, how you don't like it. <laughs> you know? I do like it, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, that sounded very pointed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I I feel you, man. And it's just so it's just so iconic too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I saw the film in theater in in the cinemas because when did that come out? Ninety three. Yeah, yeah. No, I was three years old. But <laughs> I do remember my yeah. dad buying it and bringing it home on VHS and just the cover. Yeah, yeah. Very similar to the Batman cover too. Mm-hmm. You know, the va- Batman VHS, where it's just like black VHS tape. And the logo. Yes. It's yes. not a poster. I know. It's not, you know, all the characters oh. mashed up together. Yeah. It's just black case with the logo. And is the, I think that is the tagline 65, yeah, an adventure 65 million years in the making. In the, yeah. It's like, yeah, which I, which I do remember always like my family also being like, that part is not true. <laughs> The world was created 6,000 years ago, <laughs> but it's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, Which is always like, anytime anybody yeah. was over 65 million, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, anytime I hear that, I still, I, I automatically think of that because it was just yeah, said yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember him bringing it home and I, I can't exactly remember watching it for the first time, but I remember seeing the case for the first time and then yeah. watching it a bunch of times yeah. at home. I vividly remember seeing The Lost World in cinemas. Yeah. For I me, was like seven or eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was the first film that I obsessively watched when I was younger. I think it was the first, you know, probably from like Disney films and stuff, but it was the first one that I kind of kept... Being like, I want to see the T Rex escape. Yeah, I want to see the raptors in the kitchen. You know, those yeah. bits were just like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, and probably still are. I mean, you know, every time I go back and watch Jurassic Park, it it blows my mind that it takes so long for us to see a dinosaur. 
Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. holds it back to the very last minute. Yeah. And he's like, okay, here we go. We're going mean, to so see that Because yeah. like in that scene where they are sitting in the Jeeps, you know, mm. you you are as amazed as they are. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that part comes and you're like, whoa. And then we get the car journey through when they're doing the tour and there's like nothing out. And you kind of get back to that moment of like, mm. You know, is it going to be like, you know, they just not had the budget to show them that much, you know, so yeah. it's the focus on them. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and it's just the best hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I mean, amazing. Who'd have thought that, you know, that when we're talking about silent films and stuff, that we would get to the point where this film is being made and it looks as good as it does? Yeah. Because it's still, it's, like what thirty years old now, and it still looks just. As I mean, good. I, I I I guess a lot of the silent film uh, pioneers were probably still alive at the time when that came out, too, huh? Like yeah. Buster Keaton, and was he? When did he pass? I don't. I think he he passed. Was it the sixties? Maybe. Oh, I have to double okay. check. Yeah, I mean, there, there might have been a few people kind of hanging on potentially. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's just the it's what cinema was invented for. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, Spielberg at the height of his powers. Yeah, but the amazing thing about Spielberg is um he he knows he knows that all that all of the that it's all important. That spectacle yes. is not good on its own. No, yeah. And that's why he holds it back for so yeah. long, because, you know, spectacle is actually the last thing on the list when it comes to like Aristotle's like criteria for mm-hmm. a good for good entertainment. Spectacle is the last thing, but people still love it when you give it to them right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he gives it to you last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Spielberg, yeah, he's aware. Yeah. Definitely. It was a definite toss-up. I mean, Jurassic Park has always been, you know, edging into my top three, um, depending on how I feel. Um, Jaws is a, is one that just missed out. Another Spielberg ah, film. Yeah. Um, Jaws is a film that as soon as I finish, I want to start it again. Yeah. Because it's just so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And The Fablemans is, you know, potentially going to be there. on here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that was my number four. Sweet. Number four for me is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Nice. You're not going to guess which one. If it's the one that very narrowly missed out on my list, I may do. It probably isn't. I'm going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it might actually come as a surprise. Okay. Django Unchained. Okay. That does come yeah. as a surprise. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. Yeah. One of the greatest movies ever made, which yeah. is why it's at number four. Um, it is so, so good. I get goosebumps every time I watch it. I often cry when I'm watching it, when the scene comes on where it does like the flashback with um, Jamie Foxx and 
Kerry Washington when they're still slaves and they yeah. and the 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 song Freedom comes on. Yeah. is just like such a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking like scene. Um and it's just a masterful masterful movie yeah. in terms of filmmaking. I mean, I get goosebumps when like he when Jamie Foxx gets like the hero shot after he's like um he he's at his he's at oh, what are they called the it, it's one of the brothers or something that like they you know he used to work for as a slave and he uh the plantation yeah the it's like one of the plantations um but it's like the hero shot right before he there's like the whipping scene where he whips the the white guy you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I get goosebumps like the the mix of music and shots and mm-hmm. storytelling is I mean Tarantino is so good at that anyway yeah but it is I don't know if it's done any better than in Django Unchained which is also surprising because this is the first film that Sally Menke did not collaborate with Tarantino on as his editor. And so as, which I was very skeptical going into this movie because of that. Um, when I first saw it, um, actually it's weird. A lot of these movies I saw when I was like 21, 22. Yeah. Um, because this came out in 2012, but, uh, yeah, I was very skeptical because, I was like, he's going to have a different editor. Like, is it going to just feel totally different? Um, And parts of it did the first time I watched it, but I didn't come out of the movie going, eh. You know, I was like, holy shnikes. (laughs) (laughs) That was incredible. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's just so many parts of the movie. I I think it is my favorite Tarantino film. And one that I almost picked Kill Bill because Kill Bill was the first Tarantino film I saw. Um, and I love Kill Bill, but I think Django is my favorite. Yeah, Kill Bill is one that I literally said to Chelsea earlier that we need to go back and watch them because um, I don't think that I've ever given them the due. I mean, I had four Tarantino films that were kind of on the short list as yeah. I was going through this. Um, so, which when we get to our honorable mentions, we'll probably talk about. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good one. I was wondering when he would pop up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Tarantino. Also one of those filmmakers, hugely inspiring. Love watching all of his interviews and just yeah. hearing him talk about film and, you know, encouraging yeah. people to make film. And Yeah. There's not many people that could announce the death of a fictional character and have the internet kind of be talking about it for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's kind of crazy. He's such a rock star director. I know. Yeah. You know, the last of the old guard. Yeah. Know, who's just because now, obviously, with the way that Marvel is and how the landscape has changed for cinema as a whole, you know, um, you don't get directors that uh, afforded the ability to kind of stay singular anymore. You know, yeah. you feel like they have to. They do like an indie film that does really well, and then they get. Uh, a big budget film 
that it's kind of like for the studio to get their next film. Yeah. Um, Gareth so. Edwards is someone who's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. His new film. Yeah, his new yeah. film looks super good. Yeah. Rogue One was super good. I haven't seen his first book. Oh, he also did Gods and Monsters. He did Godzilla, so. didn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, which wasn't the no. best. No. But his new film looks freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Greta Gerwig, like her, I think it's her agent or something, has come out quite recently and said that She's not interested in staying as like an indie film director. She wants to be like, like a, a big budget movie director. Well, I also just saw that she's going to be making writing mm-hmm. and directing two of the Chronicles of Narnia films for Netflix. Yeah, which I think is super cool. I'm Me too. super excited I'm... to see. I, I've been excited to see those anyway. But yeah. also, I thought they were going to be a show. I would yeah. rather see a show. Yeah, me too. I, I don't want to see more Narnia movies. Just make a whole season out of a book. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that Gerwig is one of those rare examples that can probably make bigger budget films and stay um, like close. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> stay true to kind of you know certain themes and not kind of I don't know, um, not give up her her morals and and what. She's brought to yeah, the table not just so making far. things because they'll be commercial. Yeah, like actually trying to make cinema out of something commercial. Yeah, we are also talking about this before the Barbie film comes out. Yeah, um, which which I think is going to be incredible. I think it's going to yeah, be really well too. regarded. Yeah, um, and I think dude, that, it's going to kill everything. Yeah, like yeah, screw Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible, dude. Barbie yeah. is going to destroy. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just got to look at stuff like Little Women, you know, a film that has been made numerous times in the past, brought something completely new to it, changed it up, looked at it from a different angle. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. We I mean, I, time, but. I think there's a lot of guys that are interested in going to see Barbie. Yeah. I mean, I am. <laughs> I mean, me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, so, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, I'm excited about Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible, but if I had only one film to pick because I only had one, you know, day off or whatever, I would go see Barbie. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Mission Impossible is a close second, but as you know, I've been a huge fan of Gerwig. Like before she even started directing, I was like, yes. So this film has been on my radar since it was like announced. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've had it on my uh, on my to watch list on Letterbox since the first <laughs> image was released. That you know, pink poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's such a great pair. Yes, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it and then talk about it with you. Me too. Afterwards, maybe we should pick it for a film church in the future. Probably. Just saying. Um. All right, so number three. Getting into the podium positions here. Um, (laughs) My number three, again... I don't know why that sounded (laughs) sexual. (laughs) I don't know know, um, if this will come to a surprise that it's in number three, um, but it's it's a wonderful life. Um, I mean, I've... I've, You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was number one. Yeah, 
yeah, it's um, it's a film that I watch religiously every year. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Stewart is my all-time favorite actor, I think, um, and it's such an honest and beautiful look at like life and just the people that make it special, not the money or the things, you know, yeah. or the experiences. Is the people that surround you, um, and I just love that. I just love that mentality, and um, yeah, it's. I know that um, it wasn't very well regarded when it came out, but I think it just it, it just shows America is most pure. You know what is great about America is encapsulated in this film. It's the hardworking, you know, bread and butter type of people that are just yeah. that are doing it for the little guy. And yeah. and that goes in with what Frank you know, Frank Capra was a um was not American, he was an immigrant and then he just made these films that were very pro America, pro you know, it's just that whole um land of opportunity thing. Yeah. Um and this is the perfect example of it. And this will always be the America that I hold on to. Hmm. Yeah. And then I want to be. Yeah. Um and plus it's that's you awesome. Know, Moving, heartwarming, funny, poignant, yeah, silly, yeah, everything. And Jimmy Stewart is just freaking incredible. Yeah, yeah, he is. And all I have to do is just hear "Add a Boy Clarence" and I start to well up. Mm. That ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's one of the it's it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. I'm gonna have to rewatch it again soon. It's one that I don't go back to that often. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I I love it, but I don't. I don't always go to it every single year. Yeah, I need to. <clears throat> we need to start doing like a Christmas in July thing because just once a year isn't enough. Mm, I always get yeah. to it in July. I'm just like, oh, I feel like it's so long since I've watched this. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Christmas in July. <laughs> Coming soon. To film church right now. <laughs> to a film church near, near you. Well, my number three is not It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mine is Evil Dead. Nice. The original. Yeah. First one. Uh, again, another amateur film that transcends yeah. what an amateur film what you think of as yeah. an amateur film because it's pure cinema mm. pure filmmaking pure evil um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so amazing every time I watch it I'm just I mean I talked about it like last week <laughs> um, yeah I'm just blown away by it every time I watch it um and I know a lot of like, like when you watch the behind the scenes stuff, like for the second one, uh, I forget, I can't, I always forget this guy's name, but the guy who, who does the special effects on the second one, he was like, yeah, the first one was good, but this effects needed help. And, yeah. you know, and that's why we're, we're here, you know, and the effects are great in the second one, but if you're not like a special effects makeup person, I think it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it still works. For what it is. Yeah. And just like 
yeah, you can kind of tell a little bit that like, you know, the prosthetics are like paper mache or whatever yeah. it is that they're using, but like, it's still terrifying. It's yeah. still absolutely terrifying. And then the stop motion sequence at the end when they're like decaying and like all the little, like the oatmeal yeah. is like coming out of the arm. And, like, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Ants are coming around and like, it's just, it just, it is, it, it captured something, you know what I mean? Obviously, like it's, it's impacted so many filmmakers and still, you know, sells out when theaters show it. And yeah. I mean, we, when we went and saw the Evil Dead trilogy at Alamo, it was like packed every it single was, yeah. show. And, um, yeah, it, it just, it, I mean, it, it helped, you know, when the film came out that Stephen King saw, I think it premiered at Cannes. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's just a crazy story mm-hmm. that these guys made this movie for like 80, 90 grand and went to Cannes. Stephen King saw it, was like, this is the most terrifying film I've seen. And I just went from there. Yeah. Um, like it feels like the if when you watch the movie, it feels like the devil is real. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah. like these demons are real. It feels yeah. like evil is real. Yeah, it feels like it's seeped into the film. Um, it you know it kind of took what The Exorcist did and just it, it was just took it further. But yeah. also, like that's what Sam Raimi does so brilliantly is he'll he'll take an idea, and then he'll he will just push it and push it and push it to the point that you are exhausted and start laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, such a great movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Evil Dan. Awesome. It's a sweet film. Yeah, <laughs> Heart Woman. Um, here we so go. That's number two. Yeah. Um, Final two. Here we go. My number two is Double Indemnity. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this um, when I was in a media class in high school. Um, and I can just remember thinking that. They're not allowed to have Barbara Stanwyck look this sexy. They're not allowed to have murder happen just around any corner. You know, they're not allowed to do this and, like, make it as explicit as they are. Um, And then I found out later that they weren't allowed to do it, and it's just the genius of Billy Wilder because it's all in the dialogue. It's all in in the way that the shot is composed. It's just, it's all in the way that Barbara Stanwyck doesn't blink in any of the scenes. Um, it's just a completely wonderful, like dark sided of America film. Um, yeah. And I just, and I go, I watch it a lot. You know, I go back to it all the time. Um, and I just, it's so quotable, so visually stunning. I love all the characters. Um, it's, you know, edge of your seat, tense. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I remember really liking the film when I when I watched I watched it for the first time like two or three years ago. Yeah, uh, I remember really liking it, but and I know you've talked a lot of praise about it, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect it to be like number two. Yeah, 
It's so. yeah, it's it's one of those things where when I was compiling the list, I was like, what are the films that if someone was to say, "Are oh, we watching this?" I'd be like, "Okay, good." <laughs> you know, yeah. I've seen that. I like this is my street. And also, if it was, if I saw it was showing at a cinema, what would I run to go and see? Yeah, exactly. You know, I would be like, I have to go do this. Yeah, I'm canceling all my plans. Yeah, I've got to go and see other people. Like, I've got double indemnity. I think four times on different <laughs> physical media. Wow. You know, the DVD or Blu-ray or the Criterion 4K. And every time they announce one, I'm like, I've got to have it. Yeah, I've got to have it. And if there was like a cinema release, I'd go and see it. You know, and probably watch it the the day before as well. You know. It's one, it's just, it just speaks to me on a personal level again. And I would say apart from maybe my number one film and Psycho, it's the film I've watched the most. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's my number two. Well, I'm definitely going to have to visit it a lot more knowing that it's that high on your list. I know. Yeah. I mean, Billy Wilder just in general is someone, I mean, Sunset Boulevard is another one that just missed out, you know. Um, but this is pinnacle for me. Yeah, I don't know why I like Billy Wilder wasn't ever really on my radar much yeah. until I met you and started doing film church. I think or started yeah. going to film school. Yeah, I don't, it's just yeah, he does all of it. Yeah, he's yeah. incredible. Yeah, he is. Um. Another director I need to just watch all of their films. Yeah, I know. I want to start watching three films a day. That sounds good. Like, how do, how do people do it? <laughs> like Del Toro. <laughs> I think I just can't stay awake. Could, you know? When I was at uni, I would watch three films a day. But I was also yeah. studying film. So it was like, an ex- there was an excuse for it. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was great. It was the best time. Best of time. It was the best of times. It was the best of times. <laughs> it was the best of times. Say it three times for each film I watch per day. <laughs> um, well, number two for me is The Godfather. I was pretty positive this was going to be number one. I know. <laughs> I'm throwing uh, you for a way loop. I, have no- I, I know what your oh, number God. one is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Godfather is my number two. I've been saying Godfather is my favorite movie for a yeah. good long while. Yeah. Uh, but I ultimately ended up bumping it to two, which is still very high, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, the Godfather, um, I mean, yes, it's a cliche pick. Yeah. 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 Okay, it is. <laughs> I don't know why I'm starting to sound like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's a cliche pick okay but it's a great movie and you can't deny it it is good yeah just watch it you'll see um no like so growing up i was not allowed to watch rated r films yeah and i really got into film you know, when I was like 12. All right. Well, I decided the film is, was going to be my life at around 12. (laughs) And, uh, 
And so from like age 12, well, basically until I was old enough to like move out, um, I started trying to get my hands on films that, you know, were like staples of cinema that I wasn't, you know, that, you know, dad wasn't going to be like, yeah, sure. You can watch that. Um, so the Godfather had been something I had been trying to get a hold of for a while. And like, on, on, like you know, just to name a few films that I had gotten my hands on, like Kill Bill was one of them. Yeah. Like I would go to game, like I went to GameStop and they didn't, you know, ID me. So I was able to get Kill Bill. Um, so that was a big influence. Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez films. Um, but I, uh, Finally got all three Godfather films on DVD one day at GameStop and had to like sneak it into the house because, mm. um, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was paraphernalia. Um, but I would like, I would like went to like, I went with my mom grocery shopping and GameStop was like across the street. So we like both walked into the, to Walmart together. And then I was like, I'm going to go check out the electronics. And then I would just leave Walmart and walk over to GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool, the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> but it's like a big box set, right? Yeah. So I had to, I don't know how, but I guess I got the keys from, I convinced my mom to let me have the keys to the car while she was grocery shopping yeah. and didn't know I was leaving the store. <laughs> and uh, so I hid the box set in the car. Well, it was a van. I mean, we had a big... I had a big family, so we had a big 15-passenger van, yeah. so it was like lots of places to hide it. So they hid it in the van, got home, went inside, and then a little while later, went back out to the car to get it. <laughs> and then I would I would have to like hide it in my yeah. clothes. Like I would just yeah. stick it in my pants and then put my shirt over it <laughs> and just kind of like hunch over. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a huge box set. Uh, <laughs> so I'm lucky that I didn't get caught. Plus there's like, you know, 10 other kids in the house. Um, (laughs) Had to hide it in my room, had to find a good time to like watch it, you know? Um, And I, you know, watching the film for the first time, I could see that it was brilliant, you know? Like it had a really good, it had a really good structure. Like I could see that. And the story was very interesting. It, it's a very long movie. I remember thinking that when I saw it the first time. But watching the development of Al Pacino's character mm. throughout the film really grabbed me. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, it, it just seemed like a perfect ending, even at the time when I didn't. I watched it. I was probably 17, maybe, when I watched it the first time. 16 or 17. And... um. But I could tell the ending was like somehow perfect. I, mm-hmm. I maybe couldn't articulate why, yeah. but just that shot where um, it's Michael is the character. Oh my God, it's my number two film. I can't think of the character's names at the moment. But um, the shot, you know, it's Michael and his wife, and uh, you know, she he's he's just convinced her that he didn't murder his brother-in-law. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, okay. And she feels better. She's like sobbing. She's like, feels better. And she walks out of the room and it's just a shot of her looking at him 
in the in his office as people come in and like you know kiss his hand or whatever and she realizes that he lied to her yeah and then the door closes and that's the end of the movie and it's just it's incredible yeah um (laughs) i think the reason now why it means so much to me is because i do come from a big family and a big extended family um that I was very close with growing up throughout my life. Um, lots of big get-togethers, lots of big weddings. You know, the movie starts off with this big wedding. Yeah. But also being an adult now and watching my family go through a lot of stuff, like a lot of... Because uh... when you're a kid, your life is what you know it is you know what i mean like your life until you have like something traumatic happen or like like a lot of people experience like their parents going through a divorce or like you know um lots of people have had i think had these moments in their life where their entire world was shattered in some way Mm -hmm. you know and then they had to realize that um the life they've always known will never be the life that they have again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was like, there was a moment like that for my family, but then also just like watching, you know, watching everybody grow up, you know, kind of um, grow into themselves and their own, become their own people yeah. outside of what our family was um, when everybody was under one roof. Uh I think The Godfather captures something about family. While it is a crime family, you know, it captures something about family when you, when a family goes through a changing time. You know, because Mm -hmm. when um, Marlon Brando, who is, you know, the first Godfather, when he gets shot, that's the moment. You know, that's the moment that, okay, nothing will ever be the same. No. And then you get to watch the family transition into what it might be for the next several years, you know. And Michael is a part of that, you know. Everything that Michael was set to become and set to be just kind of goes out the way. He can never be that again. No. Especially the moment when he... um, murders the first two guys in the restaurant yeah you know there's no going back from that yeah you know um and that that scene is incredible that scene like watching al pacino in that scene after he gets the gun he sits sits back down at the table and you just see his brain just like firing all over the place and his eyes are twitching and he's like trying he's like he knows what he has to do he knows that this is about to change everything. Yeah. He does it. And then the music kicks in. I mean, it's just pure glorious cinema. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And The Godfather Part Two is also amazing um, in different ways. Uh, Coppola takes the ideas that... W- were set in place and takes them further. Mm-hmm. 
You know, the crazy thing is when the Godfather, the Godfather is a cautionary tale about capitalism, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and people still glorify it. Mm-hmm. And what he does with the second one is, is like really show you, oh no, Michael is a terrible, terrible, oh, yeah. terrible person, yeah. guys. Like that's part two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But people are still like, yeah, you know, <laughs> in the in the wrong ways. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other crazy thing about The Godfather Part One is just that the movie would not exist if for not if if not for the Hollywood studio system. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that where. All the pieces worked in the way they needed to to create an incredible film, which usually don't happen. No. This might be the only instance where it happens perfectly. Yeah. Because Coppola is a, an incredible director, but his hands are tied. But because of that, we get a really good movie. If Coppola had made the movie he wanted to with The Godfather, it wouldn't be as good. No. He had a completely different ending. Um. But also, because Coppola was so hard-headed, we wouldn't have gotten Marlon Brando as a godfather, and we wouldn't have gotten Al Pacino yeah. as Michael. Because Marlon Brando was notorious for being terrible to work with. He was like... He wasn't even 50 years old when he made that movie, but they used makeup to make him look super old. Yeah, Al Pacino, nobody knew who he was. It's just a crazy set of circumstances. Like that because Coppola pushed so hard, but then also because the producers pushed so hard back that we found that they ended up with an incredible movie. Yeah. That they were like, no, you don't get final cut. (laughs) Like in what other circumstances is that a good thing where the director doesn't get a good, the final cut. Um, and then it's also amazing that they did give him final cut and complete control in the second one, and it is also as, just as amazing. Yeah. It's it's just one of those crazy Hollywood stories where, like, the movie is absolutely perfect. I mean, it's like The Godfather and, what, Citizen Kane? They're yeah. like the two that people go back and forth on. Like, what's the best film of all yeah. time? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the behind the scenes stuff is also just as crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy there's, story. A, there's a great um, book. I think it's called um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls that is about kind of this time period and like the changeover. Um, and it goes into great detail about Coppola and kind of how this film came to be. Um, it's an incredible story. Yeah. And that they've, I mean, they've made that into a TV show. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the story is so insane. Yeah. There's also a film coming out. Yeah. Um, I don't know when, but Oscar Isaac is playing Coppola. It's going to, I mean, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. So, and then again with Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I'd, number threw two me, threw me for a loop. I don't I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you clues here in a second. Yeah, but your number one, yeah. I think I got it. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, 
It's Vertigo. It, yeah, of course it's Vertigo. It's, <laughs> it's the film that I adore with all of my heart. I think when you were talking about perfect films, Vertigo to me is a perfect film. And it's, it's yeah. one that wasn't immediate. It took me a while to appreciate it. I think the first time I watched it, I was like, ah, what was that about? You know, because there's, dude. there's yeah. so much going on in this film. But I think yeah. as soon as you rewatch it a few times and you realize that 90% of it doesn't really matter, you know, if you're trying to follow the story, it's not going to work. Yeah. But if you look at it, it's like, what is Hitchcock trying to say? To me, that is like elevated. Hitchcock's my, my favorite film director. It's someone that I go back to a lot. I do a lot of reading around Hitchcock. You know, I, it, he's my guy. Um, and there's so much of him in this film. It's such a personal movie without being autobiographical. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of, when I think about cinema and directors and kind of what they mean to the film, this film is the one that stands out the most because it's it's his story. You know, he... He is obsessed with blondes in general. He tries to kind of change them to get them to the point where he wants them to be. Like he changes their appearance. He changes the way they walk, the talk, because he's a director. That's what he does. And then he loses them. As soon as he gets them how he wants them, he loses them. You know, Um, he's got Jimmy Stewart in it who can just play anything and, you know, goes from sad you know like hard on his look guy suffering from vertigo to like pretty scary dominating male you know in the space of 20 minutes um it's got some really when we're talking about rope and how he's kind of playing with the the genre as a whole there's some really incredible sequences like scotty's dream where his head's kind of changing color and spinning yeah and all that stuff and then the the green light when madeline becomes Madeline again, you know, she walks out and it's like just like bathed in green. Um, um, it's it's absolutely incredible, and it's like I said um, on the last show, I go back to it and just watch scenes. I just watch like bits of it, you know. I don't necessarily have to watch the whole thing, um, but I try and watch it as often as possible. Yeah, um, and I think that it's still there's still inter- there's still time. I still watch it now. And I still get things that went over my head before, or I think I see different threads that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, you know, there's always something new to discover in it. Um, and it's it, to me, it is the greatest film of all time, and also my favorite. Yeah. Do you think it's it's the greatest film of all time because it's so? It's like a commercial auteur work. Yeah, I think it's just a it's a mis, it's a mix. Of everything, you know, it's it's a, a, holly, a studio film for the masses that's deeply personal and also uses film as a medium to tell the story. Yeah, you know, it's not again the the story part of it isn't that important. You just need to know that, like, he's obsessed with her. Yeah, you know, and also the, you know, it's it's also about kind of watching. You know, a lot of the film takes place in Scotty's car as he's watching Madeline go around doing these things. And as yeah. a viewer of movies, that's what we do. 
you know, it's about us as the audience as much as about Hitchcock as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it blows my mind that this film was made. Yeah, the first time I had seen it, I was like, that was it? That was Vertigo? Yeah. That's the movie I've heard so much about? Yeah. Um, it took a long time to kind of really start to see its brilliance. And um, when I was taking my, I took a Alfred Hitchcock class. And, you know, when I learned more about Hitchcock, it started to make a lot more sense. Yeah. And to me, so many, so many Hitchcock films are about, like when I think of Hitchcock, I think of murder movies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Murder surrounds the plot in some way. Um, and a lot of times the movie, the, 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 his movies are like, you know, what would, what would cause, cause this person to commit murder? Yeah. What would cause that person to commit murder? Yeah. Um, you know, trying to explore these different characters and what causes people to cross that line. Um, and to me, Vertigo is, is like Hitchcock trying to, I don't know the right way to put it. It's like, like what would cause Hitchcock to murder? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. (laughs) Or like, you know, maybe it's, you know, him like having that feeling of wanting to kill these women who have left him. Yeah. And he can't, he doesn't act, he won't actually commit murder, but let's make a movie where he gets to do it. Yeah. At the yeah. end, mm-hmm. you know, he gets to kill off the, the woman at the end or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's about his, it's his murder movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, like we said, I think that if you're, not a huge fan of Hitchcock. It's kind of, and you just want to watch it once just to tick it off. It might not be, but it it might not be the you know have the same effect. But I guarantee the more you watch it, the better it gets. Yeah, you know, um, it it deserves to be. You know, I know that in the twenty twelve Science sample, it came out top, and I think it deserves to be the the best, like ever. You know, yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one that it's like, you know, I I get it now, obviously. Yeah. But I, it's still not. It's not personal for me. I think. Yeah. And maybe it would be if I watched it more, like you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. It's got every element that I want. Yeah, and that's kind of it. I think that's uh, that's why it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sweet. Well, I am incredibly interested to find out <laughs> what is number one. It's uh, it's a movie that I just want to watch twenty four seven. Like in any moment of any time of the day, I would want to watch this movie. Um. It took me a, a bit to kind of come to that conclusion, but it is, there's only, there is um, 
one of the movies that I've picked are directed by the same person. Okay, so I'm assuming it's either Kevin Smith or Tarantino. It's not either. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It is uh, a movie that came out in 2001. Is that a Linklater film? No. (laughs) I'm going to go through all of them and then... Is it Lord of the Rings? It's The Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. So I just lost half of our listeners. <laughs> I feel like like you either love these movies or you're like, yeah, eh. yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, I love these movies. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love these movies. Very much connected to my childhood. I like my dad loved Lord of the Rings. Um, like read the books in college and stuff, and then uh, when they started making the movies we were just all hyped like mm-hmm. we we had like listened to the audio books i think or like the radio dramas yeah of lord of the rings we had like the lord of the Ring. we had like a we had like a dos video game wow called war in middle earth that was like it was a very complex game for like you know <laughs> yeah. late 80s early 90s computer game where you you like put you type in the prompts of like where you want the fellowship to go and you're like you you know the goal of the game is get to the ring the, the ring to mordor or whatever so like lord of the rings is a big part of my childhood even before these movies came out and then all the hype of leading up to them coming out constantly getting on lord of the rings.net you know seeing things yeah that were leaking out there and then my dad was like well, if y'all want to see the movie, you have to read the book. Wow. Okay. So it took me, um, I think it probably took me a year to read each book. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we didn't go see the movie on opening night. Um, but I did get to see it in cinemas. And like, I was like almost done with The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. I had like, basically a cha- I was kind of a slow reader especially at that age cuz yeah. I was like um I was a little behind you know mm. and but I had like a chapter or so to read left but the, it was like a, I I can't remember the circumstances around us going to see it but I just remember it being like kind of a last minute thing it was like we're going tonight yeah we're going to see it and I still had like a couple of chapters to read and I was like, I was like freaking out because yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get like <laughs> this read yeah. in time. So like, it was like so silly, like on the way to the cinema, th- he like put the last chapter in of the audiobook. <laughs> so oh, we were like listening yeah. to that on the way to the theater so that I could finish it. And then we get there and they're like, oh yeah, someone said that the, the first chapter of the set of the two towers is actually at the end of the fellowship, but it was like, fine. It wasn't yeah. like my dad was like, no, you know, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to let you go. Um, so we, I went to see it anyway. Um, so the end of the movie was all kind of a surprise to me. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten that far in the books yet, but I vividly remember seeing the movie for the first time. And, and we talked about that scene earlier with, uh, 
Bilbo. Yeah. Absolutely the scariest yeah. experience I've ever had in a movie theater yeah. is when Ian Holm as Bilbo is like grabbing for the yeah. ring. Cause it just was so unexpected. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally just sent my body into a terror. Yeah. Like my body probably has, you know, traumatic memories of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I saw it a couple more times in the theater while it was still out. Um, and every time in that scene, I would just be like bracing so hard, like, oh my God, it's coming, it's coming. I just got to yeah. get through this one part and then I can watch the rest, I can enjoy the rest yeah. of the movie. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, just I like, and to me, it's the best one be out of the three because it feels a lot more grounded mm -hmm. than the other two. You know, the other two. Um, I mean, obviously they're all fantasy films, but yeah. the other two have a lot more CGI and a lot more. I I think I'm also at an age where I'm like just over big epic battles. Yeah, like I don't need these wide shots of like people I can't see who they are fighting. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the um when we talked about Marvel, just how yeah tied it's you like, were of those. Yeah, I'm just I'm sick of it, and yeah. like you know the two towers has the Elm's Deep stuff, which is great, but like, and in terms of like scenes like that, it's probably the best of them. Um, and Return of the King, half the movie is that. Yeah. Um, I still love the movies, obviously, but to me, the fellowship is like, it's got all the good stuff. It's got yeah. all the really good character stuff. It's got the introductions to everybody. It's got the fellowship actually together. Yeah. all of these characters that you love. It's got the Minds of Moria scene, which is a really fun action sequence, yeah. but it's not like, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. 2,000 people fighting each other yeah, that you can't see. Yeah, it's more just like running and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of very... I mean, I still like kind of like tear up after Gandalf dies and they're just like, they get out of the mines yeah. and they're just like devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We we recently went back and rewatched all three. It had been probably ten years since I'd last watched them. Yeah. It'd been quite a while. Um I you just can't get over the just the attention to detail and the like how good they look. You know, mm. it's yeah. I can't imagine being a fan of them and then going to see it and being like it's it's better than I imagined. Yeah, because they loved, yeah, the they yeah. loved making them. Everybody involved loved the world, yeah. loved the lore, like, and it comes across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, Peter Jackson, I think, is so he should be talked about in a higher regard. I know that people respect him and know who he is, but his like ratio of making great films is up there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I've, it, one of the best trilogies ever made, Absolutely. if not the best trilogy ever made. Yeah, you know, there's always weak spots. You talk about Godfather, Godfather Part Three, Back to the Future. There's, you know, Part Three is a little bit shaky. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Lord of the Rings is up there, and it shows that the third part won so many Academy Awards. Yeah, 
Yeah, great. exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I think it was more they did that because, out of recognition. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't give the other two anything. But yeah, I mean, a huge achievement. And like, it's also one of those moments. I mean, we've been talking about that in both parts of this episode. Like, weird moments in time that if it had gone any other way, could have just been. Yeah. So different. Yeah. Um, they had completely cast someone else as Aragorn and were shooting for a couple of months before they realized this is not working. Yeah. And were able to get Viggo Mortensen at the last minute because his son was his, like, Viggo didn't know if he was going to do it. And his son was like, you should do this. Yeah. Those books are good. And man, I can't imagine no. anybody else. No. Um, but also like Ian McKellen as Gandalf. Yeah. Like we, it was almost Sean Connery. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can't. No, no, no. It would be terrible. Yeah. Um, not that Sean Connery is a bad actor. It's just like I can't imagine anyone else but Ian McKellen. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of same with every single casting choice. Yeah. In these movies, everyone is perfect. Yeah. 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 Um. Andy Serkis. I know. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the that's the one thing that is, I think, hard for me to choose fellowship over the other ones because Andy Serkis isn't in it. Mm-hmm. But I think, I I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, almost. I almost making the list would have been, I think, the original Star Wars. Yes, yes. It, um, I, I mean, Empire yeah. is amazing. Yeah, but there's something about I think the first mm-hmm. of of some of these that um, because you just the other ones wouldn't exist without it. Yeah, like you can't watch Two Towers and just and you can't show the Two Towers to someone who hasn't seen the fellowship and they're going to say that it's the best film ever. Mm-hmm. Same with Empire. You can't show Empire Strikes Back to someone who hasn't seen the first one and them say that's the greatest the film, film I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. Same with Godfather Godfather Part 2. Like you know, you can't call it the greatest film you've ever seen unless you've seen the first one. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um You got a good point. And the first Star Wars is freaking incredible. Yeah. And another one of those crazy stories where yeah. it's like, could have gone any way. Like, Nobody you know, believed it, that it was going to do anything. No, even when the, the original editors that were on it, yeah. they, they didn't know how to make a good movie about, out, out yeah. of it because they were terrible editors. Yeah. And they had to get another editor in there to make a good movie out of yeah. it. And it became one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah. Um, what would have been the next thing on your list? So I think the next thing on my list would have been Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Yeah. I I I did struggle, like not being able to fit that in. Um, Tarantino is obviously a director that we've kind of mentioned and has been there for us. Um, you know, through a lot. You know, his his films have kind of followed us through our filmic journey a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the film that I was of his that I was most excited for, 
and delivered. I can remember coming out and being like, I'm not sure. I don't know if I loved yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Um, but then again, the more you watch it, the more it kind of, it just, it, I don't know, it just becomes a classic, you know. Inglorious yeah. Bastards is one which is much more immediate um, yeah. and another one that could have made the list. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I went and saw it Thursday night, opening night. Yeah. And then I went and saw it Friday morning and Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't until Friday morning, the end of that second screening, that I was like, holy shnikes. This <laughs> is <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then I went and saw it again that Friday night, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, it is really good. good, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to quickly shoot off the rest of the ones that were on my... Like, when I was just thinking, what films do I love? Um, and there's a few. So yeah. I'm going to quickly go through each one. I'm not going to say anything about each and just want to give them an honorable mention. Um, Annie Hall, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Laurel and Hardy's The Music Box means a lot to me. Um, Could have made the list. And then there's a few Tarantino. There's like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, um, Glorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a Parasite. I think that on a few more watches that will, you know, be up there. Um, Lady Bird, talking to Greg Gerwig. Um, I love that film. And then there's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, an American Werewolf in London, um, What's Up Doc, a really good comedy by Bogdanovich, which is hilarious. Um, Man with the Golden Arm. Frank Sinatra playing a drug addict. What more do you need? Boyhood. Love yeah. Boyhood. Mm. You know, most of Linklater's films could make it. Uh, Marriage Story, um, quite recent. Toy Story, another story. Mm. But Toy Story yeah. is incredible. Jaws and Metropolis. Nice. They're the films that I was like, ah, if only it was a top, what, 30? <laughs> yeah. Man, those are good movies. And there's even more, you know. I I didn't have any of the Star Wars on there. Yeah, I know. And yeah. it's like they they're there. <laughs> no, they'll they'll yeah. be in there. So, yeah. Any more you want to give an honorable mention to that you wrote? I down? mean, everything Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, I think he's incredible. Yeah. Um. Love all like I love everything he's done. Yeah. Um, but ones that almost made the top ten list were Mean Girls. Yeah. Kill Bill. Strangers on a Train, I mean, I already mentioned Star Wars. The Ten Commandments, The Formula, which is that Star yeah. Wars fan film. Uh, Zoolander. Yeah. The Butterfly Effect. Um, Ollie, Fear Eats the Soul is a really, really good movie that I only saw like a couple of years ago when I was still doing film school stuff. Um, that just like changed my whole idea of like what cinema could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super good movie. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. No. Um, I think the it's a queer filmmaker. I think his it's Fassbender, mm. something Fassbender. Um, and then Annie, the nineteen eighties yeah. Annie, yeah. is meaningful to me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's what I was picking from oh. basically. I didn't even mention seeing them in the rain talking about musicals. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this it could go on, you know. I know, exactly. It could yeah. go on and on and on. But yeah. Never I mean, ending list. 
And obvious, and I mean, if you've stuck with us this long and you've gone through both, you know, our top tens, just shoot us a message. Let us know what your top ten, top five, top film would be. We'd love to know. Love to talk yes. about them. Um, if there's any in here that you like, you've got High Fidelity at number seven. What is yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I want to know. Yeah. I want to know too. Tell us. So, um, I guess next week we've got Zach on, right? Yes. And then uh, at the end of that episode, you'll tell us what we're yeah. watching after that. I'll have a pick for us. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to tell people what Zach picked? Do you want to insert we? a little voice note here? From Zach? Yes. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. Roll the tape. Hey guys, friend of the pod, Zach here. Next week, we are going to be doing things a little bit differently at the Film Church. I will be filling in for Lewis, but I am a little bit of a bad influence. Without the clergy here to properly guide us, Brandon and I are going to do some blaspheming. So join us next week on Film Church Radio as we discuss the movies that we truly hate. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> um, can't wait to have Zach back on. And yeah. like one of the few times, I mean, we, we've had Zach on the show many times, yes. but this is uh, only the second time we've ever had him pick a film. And the first time with no parameters. Because yeah. the last time was like, we're doing a horror month. We need you to pick a horror film. Yeah. That you that we haven't seen, and now it's like you can pick anything. Yeah. So I can't believe we haven't done this before. I know. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Zach has been our guy. Yeah. He's been, like he's been on the show the most out of anybody, and um, and always like willing to come on last minute when we're like, yeah. uh, I need someone smarter than me to help, <laughs> like, talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach will be there. Yeah. Um. Well, cool, man. This was fun. Yeah. Glad we did this. Me too. Um, it's going to be out there forever. So in 40 yeah. years time, when I go back and listen to it, I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Why did I choose? Yeah, there's so many more that I could have picked. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible life, not a wonderful one. No. <laughs> no, hopefully you're not saying that. No. I wonder. Yeah, I do. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to kind of in the future just having a record of each iteration of it. You know, being able yeah. to look back and be like, when did, I don't know, Alien fall off the list? Or when did High Fidelity move up? Or when did Jurassic Park move down? You know, and yeah, that kind of stuff. When you saw Jurassic World 7, and you're like, <laughs> oh my God. Move over Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, I don't want this to end, but I guess we should yeah. end it. Yeah. And... uh See you next week. Sounds good. Take care, everyone. Let us know your picks. And yeah, we'll see you next week for a regularly scheduled film church. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs>